Oh, come on. If you really love Jesus, give him a big shout. That's right. We know he loves us. He deserves all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Thank you for being here tonight on this Wednesday night. Uh, God's given me an assignment. He's assigned me a subject to talk about tonight, and I want to talk to my family tonight. And uh, we share with one another tonight, and uh, we're here in the presence of the Lord, and God's put something in my heart, so I want to share with you. In an hour when there is so much confusion and so many perspectives and different opinions about who's right and who's wrong, there is only one who still ha always has the right answer, and that is Jesus. And you can find the answers you're looking for in the Word of God. I want to tell you something. Even though culture has ever so changed, and even so many laws have changed, his answers haven't changed to your questions. When God sent his word, the Bible says it was forever settled in heaven, meaning it would be sufficient for the entire jest of time, from the beginning to the end. It was right back then, and it's still right today, and it's even going to be right in the end. Come on, somebody. It's the Word of God. And Jesus dealt with this so much throughout his life while he was on this earth, especially from the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious sect of his times. They constantly bombarded him with questions and constantly tried to trip him up. And they constantly tried to falsely accuse him. Like, for example, Matthews 22 and 15 says, the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. This constantly happened. They didn't like his answers to their questions. And tonight I want to take you to a particular question that he was asked, and he answered it then, and it's still the answer for today. You see, it was just one of those days when the Sadducees and the Pharisees had been bombarding him, surrounding him, with question after question, from taxes to things about marriage, etc., etc., etc. They just nonstop. And Matthew 22 and 34 says that when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, in other words, astonished them with his answers to their questions, when he had corrected their thinking and religious views to where they finally shut up, it, the Bible says, then they, the Pharisees, they gathered together. Then one of them, who was a lawyer, took a shot at him and asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And in Matthew 22, 37, he responds, Jesus says to the question with this answer, Thou shalt love thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. And he doesn't finish there. He goes on to say, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. Let me just say what he just said more clearly. He said, first of all, the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second one is, is like unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And tonight, I want to talk about this thing, this subject, this thing called love. What is love? It's the greatest commandment we now know. 
But let's begin by hearing what people, what love is through the mouths of some children. I want you to hear their perspective, okay? What does love mean? A group of professional people posed this question to a group of four to eight-year-olds. What does love mean? And the answers that they got were broader and deeper than anyone could have ever imagined. See what you think. Rebecca, age eight, says, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore, so my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis. That's love. And Billy H. Ford says, when someone loves you the way you say you, they say your name is different, you just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Little Terry Ford said, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Danny says, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy, and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. And little Emily, she says this, love is when you kiss all the time. <laughs> then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mom and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. <laughs> and this one, Bobby, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Wow. Nika says, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Noel says, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and then he wears it every day. <laughs> Tommy says, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other very well. Cindy says, not Cindy Cochran, but Cindy, age eight, says, during my piano recital, I was on a stage and I was scared. I looked at all the people watching me and saw my daddy waving and smiling. He was the only one doing it that day. I wasn't scared anymore. Another one says, love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. Chris says, love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than Robert Redford. Marianne says, love is when your puppy licks your face, even after you let him alone all day long. And Lauren says, I know my older sister loves me because she gives me all her old clothes and has to go out and buy new ones. It's <laughs> very slick. Karen says, when you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. And Jessica said, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget. And then the final one, a woman once talked about a contest she was asked to judge. And the purpose of the contest was to find out who was the most caring child. Well, the winner was a four-year-old child whose next-door neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had recently just lost his wife. Upon seeing the men cry, the little boy went into the old gentleman's yard climbed up on his lap, and just sat there. When his mother asked, well, what did you say to the neighbor? The little boy said, nothing. I just helped him cry. That is love from the perspective of a child. Now, let's hear what love is according to the Word of God. If you've been wondering what love is, you would like the right answer. I want to tell you something. The Word of God is full of explanations and examples of what love is. Matter of fact, there is a chapter in the Bible that is considered the love chapter because it specifically talks about love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul has dedicated his writing to the subject. Let's hear some of it. 
He starts out first with making a statement to the importance of having love in our hearts. Now, we all have gifts and talents and we can use in our lives, but he stresses that love is the greatest of all gifts. Verse 1 to 3 says, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a changing or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. He's saying, prophesy all you want to, have a genius IQ all you want to, but if you ain't got love, you ain't got nothing. And he goes on to say, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. That's so powerful right there. But then he goes and say what love is and what it does and what it doesn't do. He says love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, he says, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know not in what we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of my childhood behind me. He says, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But listen, but the greatest of these is love. And what kind of love does this refer to? It connects with God's grace, love for God's love for us. This is unconditional love, totally gracious, generous, no strings attached, agape love. Notice especially that Jesus says, love thy neighbor as yourself. That means that if we are to love our neighbors unconditionally and generously, we need to love ourselves that way too. God doesn't make junk. We were all created in God's image. We are his masterpieces. You can't even love nobody right until you know how to love you. You even find reference to this statement in Ephesians 5 and 28, which is often used in a wedding ceremony when it's talking about men loving their wives. It says, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Well, then the lawyer follows up the answer in Luke 10, 29 with asking Jesus, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers this question with a parable. We know a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He tells the one of the good Samaritan. And the parable describes a man, presumably a Jew, who was on his dangerous 18-mile stretch of road leaving Jerusalem on his way to Jericho when he's attacked by robbers who stripped him of everything they had beaten and left him on the road to die. But then passing soon by after this attack, a priest, one of the descendants of Aaron, encounters this man. Since this man, though, had been stripped and half beaten to death, making it hard to determine his identity, he thought it was too risky to come within six feet of possibly a dead body 
which if so would cause defilement because of their purification laws. So he just decides to pass on the other side of the road. Sounds pretty uncompassionate and unneighborly to me. But then a Levite comes walking by, a son of Levi, who's also significant religious status in the Jewish community. He sees the beaten man and he does the same thing. But then next comes a Samaritan who, when he saw him, the Bible says he had compassion, who would be taking a risk as well due to his own religious beliefs. He was bound to if he touched the man. See, Samaritans were considered to be enemies of the Jews. This wounded man would not be considered a neighbor according to the laws. Yet this man, because of compassion for the beaten man and seeing his need for help, he uses wine, he uses oil, he used expensive goods to tend to his wounds. Then he even took him to an inn, paid for two days, salary for care, and offered to pay more if needed, with no assurance of receiving anything in return. He even risked false accusations, religious scorn, and even being charged with, for the crime. He risked the same defilement the, uh, that the others did who refused to help and walked on by. Jesus then asked the lawyer, okay, which of these three men proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer admits, the mercy shown by the Samaritan makes him the neighbor. Why? Because he showed him unconditional love. Regardless of his race, his ginger, his social status, his religious beliefs, and the reason I felt so led to discuss love tonight is in this lost and dying world church we now live in, if there is one thing this world needs now, is what the songwriter wrote about in 1965 when he wrote the words to the song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. The only thing there's too little of, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, not just for some, but for everyone. If there's one thing that this world definitely needs now is love. In the midst of all the hurting and the broken people, they need someone to give them a hand up. They need someone to tell them that Jesus loves them. They need someone to show them what love is. They need someone to love them in spite of. God is love, therefore this world needs God. And God sent love to this world, according to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. And Jesus was saying, you got to love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And in doing so, it will cause you to love yourself. And in doing so, it will cause you to love others as yourself. And in doing so, it will cause you to love your neighbor. Jesus tells a lawyer, after helping to understand who the real neighbor was, gives him the answer to the lawyer's initial question, which was, what must be done to inherit eternal life? He tells them now, go and do likewise. Being a neighbor is not to be restricted to race, gender, or religion. Being a neighbor is merely the demonstration of the love and mercy of God to all, to all who are in need. Whomever and whenever they may be, regardless of their race, their denominational or belief, Jesus teaches that love is more than words, 
It's words backed up by action. It's not just enough to say you love them. Show them you love them with your actions. And sometimes it requires the shouldering of others' burdens and often uncomfortable process. Jesus said, this is how I know you're my disciples when you have loved one for another. And to be a neighbor, according to Jesus, means to come alongside someone and help them along in life. Jesus said, no greater love hath a man than lay down his life for his friends. Love's powerful. A lot of people don't even know what love is. Yet the Bible describes what love is and what it is not. You know, there is a counterfeit to love. It's called lust. Lust is a strong, powerful desire for things you t deeply crave. The most basic meaning of lust is an unquenchable desire for sex. But people do lust for all kinds of other things as well. There have been a lot of relationships and marriages based upon lust rather than love resulting in failed relationships and marriages. Do you know that love is a choice? It's not simply just a feeling, although feelings come with love. You know, it's like when a baby is born. That mother has to decide, make a choice to love her baby. Because church, there are many babies born every year that mothers choose not to love. Yet, somebody else does. That's not even the baby's biological mother through adoption. People need love. They don't need condemnation. They do that all by themselves. Jesus said he didn't come to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. When I got saved, when Jesus came into my heart, I felt a love I never felt prior in my whole life to my salvation. I'm not saying I didn't feel love. I'm saying it was such a deeper love, such a greater expression of love. God loved me in spite of me, regardless how much I had done. And I found out through his word that even while yet I was yet a sinner, he loved me. He gave his life for me. He loved me even when I wasn't even lovable. It was his will that I wouldn't, wouldn't perish. In return, I love God with all of my heart and my soul and my mind. And he has helped me to love me. And in doing so, he's helped me to love my neighbor. You know, after I got saved, I prayed a prayer that little did I know that day would be a prayer I would pray all of my life and will never stop praying. How many of you know that God answers prayer? God has answered my prayer, but he's not finished with me yet. I'm not perfect. He is perfecting me. You know what I prayed? I prayed, Lord, teach me how to love like you. I prayed it then. I pray it now. And I'll pray it till I leave this world. Because he has taught me more about love than I would have ever known without him. To have compassion for the needy, for the hurt, for the broken, for the trapped, to love the, those that are snared, to love the poor, the disabled, and the sick, people who are in sin, they need love. The woman that was called in adultery, Jesus said, go and sin no more. Love will even cast out fear. Our nation needs love, church. And I know it seems overwhelming to think 
trying to love them all? You can't, but you can love those around you where God has placed you. Start with loving those in your community. Then start loving those in your neighborhood. Love those in your household, in your family. Love those in your church. Love those who sit beside you. Love those who work beside you. Start there. Love grows. If love would ever become a pandemic and spread worldwide, where everybody caught it, where it was contagious, if we would love our neighbor, you know, there's so many people who live in regrets of not loving more. Life passes by. I should have said it more to a loved one who's now gone. I should have done it more for someone. You can never go wrong loving someone. The Bible even says, how can you say you have the love of God in your heart when you have shut up your bowels of compassion? There's a lot of confusing things about love and misconceptions. You know, people, so many people say love can break your heart. That's what many say. I'm going to disagree. It isn't love that breaks your heart. Love heals you. It doesn't wound you. So what is it that breaks your heart if it's not love? It's those things such as rejection, bad news, a rebellious child, loneliness, circumstances, or actions that oppose love that actually causes the pain in your life. It's the rejection of your love that breaks your heart. It's because you love someone that your heart can be broken. There's a lot of misconceptions about love. I think love takes a bad rap a lot of times. We talk as love is bad, that it wounds, that it cripples. We sing songs about it. I remember one back in my heyday singing a song I remember singing called Love Hurts. No, y'all, some of them y'all know that song. Don't act like you don't. <laughs> Yet the truth is, love can't hurt you. But because you love someone, you can be hurt, broken in heart. Ever heard she was wounded because of a bad love affair? Let me correct that. Love is not bad. What she had was a bad affair. And the reason it was bad is because there was no love. Have you ever heard? I loved that woman and she broke my heart. That's correct. Except love didn't break your heart. It's whatever she did that rejected your love for her, that broke your heart, that hurt your feelings. You might say, well, you have a teenager. You love him with all your heart. So he leaves home or ends up in jail. Love didn't make him leave home or go to jail. Yet you see him leaving or in jail just breaks your heart because you love him. Still, it is not love that breaks your heart. It's his actions toward your love. It hurts. What he did opposed your love for him. And that's what broke your heart, rebelling against your love for him. Love mends hearts. It does not wound them. Love never breaks a heart. It always mends it. How can love hurt when it comes from the very nature of God? I have a word for someone tonight. The Lord said me to tell you, whoever you are, 
The very thing you need the most to heal you is the very thing you refuse because you think it is what hurt you, and that is love. When you have the love of God in your heart, you will love as he loves. You will love people as Christ has loved you. Your heart can be broken because you love somebody. It won't be love that breaks it. Your heart can break because you have a love for someone or something, and it rejects you. Your heart is a lot like glass. It's very fragile, yet it can't break itself. It takes an opposing action. Can I hurt someone if I love them? Yes, even unintentionally or mistakenly. And I must say I'm sorry for what I've done to them, but I can't hurt them with love. Love is going to be what heals our relationship. Ever heard of said this? Man, he was a good kid. It just breaks my heart to see him end up in trouble. Now what broke your heart? Seeing him fail. Why? Because you love him. But it's not your love for him that broke your heart or his love for you. It was his actions. It opposed your love for him. It brought sorrow to your heart. Jesus says, if you love your children, you'll discipline them. I totally agree. I think sometimes, though, we explain love in a wrong way to our children. Like when they are young and you spank your child, and while you're doing it, you're saying, I'm only doing this because I love you. And then wham! Immediately your child thinks, if this is love, I don't want no part of it. You've already impressed upon them that love hurts. It wasn't love that hurt him, it was the belt. Let me say there's a big difference in disciplining your child and abusing your child. Spanking your child because he's wrong is discipline. Spanking your child when you're wrong is abuse. Had a bad day at the office. Think I'll just go home and line my children out today too. I'm tired of the way they're acting too. Love doesn't hurt you. You might have got hurt through a relationship, but love didn't. It was the action of the person that hurt you, their words, their rejection. Love doesn't hurt. It's what heals. It's what hurt, and it's what this world needs. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. You know, a lot of us struggle with that one. But I want to tell you something. When the love of God is truly in your heart, you're going to view people differently. Because with love comes this thing called compassion. And you know, since I prayed, Lord, teach me how to love like you, now I see the world a whole lot differently. I see someone that they say is an alcoholic, I see them so differently. A drug addict, so differently. The hurt, the broken heart, I see them so differently. Yes, I see the drunkness, but I see them as snared. That is not what God had planned for their life. They were deceived. They were snared. They're caught up in a device, into an addiction. But I want to tell you, we got to love them for who God made them to be, not for where, because of where they're at. But we got to love those people. They need our love. To a world that is dying, love them. To a marriage that is failing, love will restore it. To the abused, love will protect them. To the broken, love will heal their hearts. To the grieving, love will comfort. To the poor, love will help them. To the homeless and the hungry, love will meet their needs. Not just in word, but in action. We must be doers of the word. 
And the word says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Do it. Love doesn't just walk by the broken. Love doesn't just walk by the destitute or the lonely or the sinner. Be a good Samaritan. Love them. Don't let religion get in the way. Don't let it be a club. Don't say things to condemn them. They already feel condemned. Love covers a multitude of sin. You don't condone sin. You tell them truth, but with love. And Jesus says, unless you're like a little child. See, no one loves as unconditional as a child. You ever watch them? Man, they can fight, but they can make up in seconds. They can get up. They don't hold grudges. I've seen them punch them one in the nose. Next thing you know, they cry for them. You hold them on. And they went out of your arms and go back and play with them again. Unconditional love. When we should be teaching them how to love, and all too often they are teaching us and reminding us. So what happens to us when we grow up? When we, we become hardened by hurts, wounds. But we must remember Love didn't hurt you. Love came to help you, to heal you, and to save you. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love thy neighbor as thyself. I'm your neighbor, whether you like it or not, and you're my neighbor. So are the people of my community. Ask ourselves, how much do you love? Not just say it, but do it. How important is it to love God and to love your neighbor? I must read this passage of Scripture that spells it all out. These are Jesus' words. They're written in red. There will come a day when we'll all stand before God and give an account of how we loved. I'm going to close with this Scripture, and I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand. But I want you to hear these words. This is how important to your life and somebody else's life that we love. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and we will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. That's love. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. That was love. I was a stranger and you invited me in. That was love. I needed clothes and you clothed me. That was love. I was sick and you looked after me. That was love. I was in prison. You came to visit me. That was love. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? And when did we feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then he'll say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Wow. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. 
I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did, did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will cry, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for me or one of the least of these you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is how important it is to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and to love your neighbor. If you have not love, it profited you nothing. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, for our prayer time tonight, I'm going to ask each and every one of you to come and stand with me here for a moment. If you'd make your way out. Danny, you can turn some music on behind me, please. <laughs> 